it is important to know what you don't want to do. And that helps you establish boundaries. When chasing success, it's I'll do whatever that success looks like in that moment. But you have to establish what is not going to work for you. Failing. 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 I know. When we talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. A blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Everybody, I am super pumped because today I have Kyla Woods on the show. So for our Cincinnati natives, you're gonna remember her. She was a reporter and anchor at WLWT News 5. She just got a new job a couple months ago, a month ago or so, as the public information officer for at Hamilton County Sheriff Charmaine McGuffey's office. She's a public speaker. She's an entrepreneur. She is just a beautiful woman. And we are so excited she's here today. Welcome! You're so sweet. That was such a wonderful intro, Sarah. Like you should do introductions. Just you should just do voiceovers of introductions for people because my cheeks hurt because I'm smiling so big. That was so kind. Thank you. Well, I'm so glad you're here. I know we had tried to touch base like a couple weeks ago to do our pre-call, everybody, and you were really sick. I was. And, yeah. And so I had COVID. You know, I haven't really talked about it there just hasn't been a lot to really you know I mean first of all I think we have COVID fatigue I mean I think we all I think right. everybody you know everybody does but I do want to give voice to it it's real yeah. um I, I you know what I were your symptoms? um I had very very mild symptoms again really grateful that I had a very mild case um yeah. so I so what happened was kind of a sequence of events I found out that I was exposed uh, I was around someone who tested positive I did the okay. responsible thing and this was not the first time that this happened you know you yeah it's kind of crazy how you fall into the you know you find out oh some, somebody tested positive okay now I, I need to go test positive well yeah. this time I'd done it probably two or three other times with other folks that I've been around and this time it was the most shocking, you know, like I was like, oh my gosh, what, <laughs> you know? So immediately went into a self-isolation quarantine in my home, yes. um, my, got the rest of my family tested. Again, thankfully, none of them tested Good. positive. So it was just me. I isolated in my bedroom for um, 14 long? days. Yeah, 14 yeah. days away from, you know, just in. So it was, I mean, it Can was I one of the most. Can I tell you something? I told Absolutely. some friends, I said, listen, if I have to quarantine for 14 days, I will go to the top of my house, the roof of my house, and throw myself off of it. No, I mean, you... quarantining <laughs> for 14 days is hellish. It throw... was tough. Yeah. So, I, okay. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. We're Thank glad you. You're fe- yes. Glad you're feeling better. Um, okay. Well, we got to start out from the beginning. So tell us a little bit about your family, where you grew up. I want to hear that. Yeah. So I'm from Indianapolis, which okay. um, is not far from Cincinnati. You know, it's no. just a couple of hours. Um, lived, in, lived in Indianapolis my whole life before moving here. So this is the only other place that I've lived. Go to college um, there? 
went to college in Muncie, Indiana at Ball State University. Chirp, yeah. chirp, shout out to my Cardinals. Um, so went to Ball State. <laughs> chirp, chirp is a whole thing, Sarah. It's, it's I know, a, it's, I'm learning that. I saw it on your social media. I'm like, this yes. is really interesting. Okay. Yes, yes, we love our Cardinals. We're okay. currently the MAC football champions. Woot, woot, chirp, chirp, another shout out. Okay, great, great. I don't know that. what any of that means, but I'm going to support you. Okay. It's a conference. Thank you very much. Just just let us live in it because these think. things don't happen very often at Ball State. We're not like Ohio State or like Clemson, okay? So when we get a championship, we're going to talk about it. So went to Ball State, which is about 50 miles north of Indianapolis. Okay. Um, so graduated from there, was back in Indy, started my career in Indianapolis. I worked at a radio cluster, Radio 1. So I really got my feet wet in a lot um, at Radio 1. Love, love, love every bit of my experience there we were we were really like a family uh, at the radio and there's a radio one cluster here cincinnati also has a radio one so okay wait you know what I'll, is radio one like radio stations yes so radio one is a is a it, radio one is the is the corporate house of several stations so like here it's the buzz it's oh, yeah. um the wit like 101.1 the wit so those are the radio one stations here in cincinnati did we you, had four as well in indy did you think you were going to be a dj well, you know what? I did do some voiceover. I started doing voiceover work. Okay. Like they needed, they needed help with, you know, voiceovers for commercials. And that, again, I, I've done so many different things, but yes. what I know for sure is that they all have served a purpose and they've all, they all feed into who I am in this current moment. And that's what I try to encourage everyone to understand that mm -hmm. all things work together. So I always knew I wanted to do television, but you did, you I, did, you yeah, always I did. knew that. Always knew, always knew in college, after college, I'll share something really funny with you. And I don't, yeah. I haven't probably shared this story in a long time. I first wanted to be an MTV VJ. Stop that it. was my goal. Stop I was about it. to go work with Carson Daly. <laughs> well, you know what? what? You, the MTV you heyday. <laughs> I love the MTV heyday. so much. And MTV I used to be the jam. Hours, hours of yeah. MTV. Because it was actual music television. Yes, it era. was music television. They don't get that there anymore. There was a story and an arc. And yeah, it was a mini movie. Okay. PRL? What? God. Oh, it was. So we, you know, we came up in that era where it was just, yeah. it was glorious. You know? Totally. Artists were launching their careers yes. on MTV. Yes. So it was so, so, but I never did that. Never made it okay. to MTV. But, you know, that was my foundation. I, I didn't necessarily want to do hard news. You know, I wanted to be more positive. I wanted to be a light, which I still strive to be. And I yeah. think my path in news, you know, through doing morning news specifically allowed me to be able to do both, to cover the hard stories when necessary, but to also try to get people off onto a good start for their day. Can I ask you, how did you realize that you didn't want to do hard news? Because I think one of the best things that is one of the things that has helped me is to be clear on what I don't want to do helps me be clear on what I do want to do. How did you know you didn't want to do that? Mm, that's a great question. I and I love that you phrase it that way because it is important to know what you don't want to do. It is important to know what you don't want to do. And that helps you establish boundaries mm -hmm. and it helps you say because sometimes I think when chasing chasing success, it's. I'll do whatever that success looks like in that moment. Right. But you have to establish what is not going to work for you. Now, granted, as I grew in my career, 
part of that growth did include anchoring, which when you're anchoring, you're doing all, you're doing all the stories. You know what I mean? I did do yes. some primetime anchoring. Um, and all of that was incredibly valuable. But when I first started, I knew that my primary focus was in trying to bring more light, trying to bring more positivity, focusing on community stories, talking to folks who, you know, it, I just where always from me believe from where did you, where I, did that come from? Were your parents part really of who into I am. that or like an aunt or uncle or? No, my parents were always, were always into the news, especially my dad, like all, very much a news watcher and a newspaper yeah. reader, you know, yes. so we were all, the news was always, always on. And he actually kind of planted the seed early. Um, just one day casually saying, you know, you could, you could be on the news. You could be a newscaster, you know? So, um, but I think my drive to really want to be a light, I just always been driven to be that really no matter what environment I'm in and yeah. so I thought what I would what you would hear people say and you still do is the news is so negative I mean so you know right. I oh I don't, I don't watch, watch it I don't I know and so I thought well how can I help change that how can I help and granted it's still it is what it's still very very heavy most of the time yes but I yes. am proud that when I was that the impact I was able to have I do believe that during my time, especially with morning news, you have more opportunities to try to, you know, just bring more positivity to people's mm -hmm. day. And I knew during my tenure, especially in partnership with my my Randy Rico, who, who I worked very closely with because she was the morning meteorologist yes. and I did traffic. And so we were kind of this tag team. And one of the biggest pieces of, of feedback that was really valuable and I hold close to my heart is people would always say, well, I knew I could count on you, Randy, to, to bring things up. Or I knew I could count on you, Randy, to you know yeah. get me started on the right foot. And that is where I think, okay, I did what I was supposed to do. Okay, so this whole, you have your own personal vision around bringing light. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how you got to that or how do you, Let's talk first how you got to that. Cause I, um, I think that's so important. And there's a, a recent book, I could show it, but people wouldn't be able to see it on, <laughs> they're listening to this, but it's called design. It's called De the desire map. And mm -hmm. it helps you figure out what are your core desired feelings mm -hmm. so that no matter what goal you set, you're still living out those core desired feelings. Cause how many times do you set this massive goal? You reach it and you're like, well, that was no fun. I didn't even go, I don't, I wasn't even happy while I was trying to achieve. Right. How did you figure out that core desired feeling or, or your personal vision? That's so, I mean, it, it's such a great question. And I, I, I kind of wish I had a better answer, but I think it's just always been who I am. Yeah. Here's what I will say. I'm, I've never been afraid of being authentic to myself. Yeah. So I understand that I can be a lot for people. Like I get, you know what I mean? I've, I don't think for most people they're, you know, put off by my positivity and by my yeah. energy and by who yeah. I am. But some people are, they're like, Oh God, here she comes. She's so happy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, here I come. Yes. I'm going to be happy. I mean, I don't, <laughs> so I don't apologize for it. Mm -hmm. I don't try to tone it down. It's who I am. It's who and, I am. You know, it's interesting. Cause I know a couple of your friends. And mm -hmm. you um, attract or you are with people who also are big lights. Definitely. Definitely. So are you choiceful in that? I think 
you know, it's kind of organic. I think it's it's funny because we have a mutual friend, Rachel DeRochers, who we both love. And the funny thing is she kn- she knew my husband before she knew me. And mm-hmm. he said, oh my gosh, you have to meet Rachel. <laughs> he, he knew, he's like, you guys are just, and I kid you not, we met in an aisle in Kroger. Stop it, stop I'm, it. And, and he goes, oh, he goes, there's Rachel. She turns around and we were like, oh my God, like with this big, <laughs> enormous, energy-filled, joyful, just explosion that probably yes. the universe was like, there it is. <laughs> Kyla and Rachel finally got together. But you know, like you, and and you, there's not, I haven't had that experience a ton. I think we are very, very aligned with just kind of who we are, how we show up in the world. And that's why she is one of my dear friends. I think yeah. most of my, I do have a really well-rounded circle of sister friends. Some yeah. are way more laid back, but very introspective. I'm a really deep thinker. So yeah. I enjoy having really deep um, conversations, learning, understanding. Yes. And so there's that part of me that some of my friends, and I can feed for each other, they might not be the bubbly, rambunctious type, you know? But they have that thing in common. Yes. They have that depth, that thoughtfulness, yeah, that Mm -hmm. introspection. Yep, Um, exactly. Kyla, do you have any siblings? I do. So I have, I, so there were three of us. My, my sister is the oldest. Um, I have a brother who passed away in 2007 uh, from cancer. So we he and mm. I were very, very, very close. Um, he passed, like I said, in 2007 and then there's me. So there's two girls and a boy and he will live with us forever and ever and ever. And I'll tell you something else just about, just when you think about seasons and you think about our perspectives of life, although losing my brother was the hardest thing I've ever encountered in my life, the way I view it has really helped me tremendously. And I try to share it with folks because I really have a lot of gratitude for the experience I had with my brother. I don't view it more so as in the, the frame of loss. Yes. Yes. I lost him. Yes. It's incredibly painful. I focus more on the gratitude. I said, I got to have him. He passed away at 33, which is extremely young. Yes. I was about 26 or 27 when he passed away. And I like, I had the most amazing big brother Mm. for that long in my life. 26, 27 years. You know, it's interesting you said that. So my dad passed away when I was early 20s, like 23. Mm -hmm. And my mom died six years ago, six or seven years ago. When my mom died, I said, I am not, I will be sad. I will grieve mm-hmm. the healthy grief that I need to do. But mm-hmm. then I am not going to be sad and miss her. I am going to remember the good things. I think yes. the fact that you learned that early on, I had to have that experience, that 20 plus years of not having my dad mm-hmm. um, to learn that lesson. Cause I would be sad every time. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that with her. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't it so valuable? Like, because you're shifting your focus. It's a total mind shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do love um, the the whole topic of seasons. And listeners, Kyla has the most beautiful mosaic uh, painting. Is it mosaic? A painting, I guess? It's, Whatever it's artwork like behind her. It's that are placed. It's, yeah. yeah. So I, so, I keep always say mosaic. I don't know if it's a painting. Artwork. Yes. Artwork. And it, it's a tree and it's so beautiful, but this, this whole concept of seasons, I think is really important. So there was a season for you when you transitioned from working in the news. What was the impetus for that? Why did you leave? I mean, you, uh, I mean, from an outside perspective, you had a good gig going. 
Yeah. Well, and it was really good for me and to me. I, again, express true gratitude for my experience, my career in broadcasting, in broadcast yes. journalism. And one thing, Sarah, I will tell you that I am, I will never, ever, ever take for granted. One of the things I am most grateful for in relation to my broadcast career is the fact that I had the ability and the opportunities to say goodbye to viewers. And I'll tell you why I don't take that for granted. How many, how many people have you seen exit the uh, market like, and they, and they just disappear? No, right, right. And it's not something people really think of, you know, if it happens, people are like, oh my God, where's so-and-so go? And then, you know, they might talk about it for a few yes. days and then it just kind of blows, blows over. Yes. Um, you know, and, and I'm grateful. I will forever be grateful to Hearst, to WLWT for allowing me that space for my news director at the time, for my producer, allowing me to write up what I wanted to say, to have the time for, you know, like it was, I just, I get chills just thinking because it was an incredible day. I'll never forget that day. Mm -hmm. It was emotional, but it was full and it was exciting. And it was this, I was stepping into a new season. I was, I yeah. truly was. Um, it was just time. It was, it was time for me to go. You know, I had, I had finished my contract. You know, things okay, work in okay, contracts. Okay. That's another thing nobody yeah. talks about. It's contracts, yeah. you know? Right. My contract was coming up. Um, I, I I don't think they thought I was going to exit at that time. You know Seriously. what I mean? Yeah, to, yeah. And, and not in a bad way, but just, and and I was like, no, I, I think it's time for me to go. I, I want to see, you know, what else I can do. I will say there were, I, I wanted to grow a bit more and and I wasn't able, there just wasn't space for me to do it yeah. at, at that time, you know? Yeah. But yeah. again, all good, great. It was a great departure. Um, again, really grateful to be able to have such an amazing send off that just was really beautiful and was really well received um, by the community. So it so just, did you it, ever it was just think, time to change. Did you ever think I'm gonna go to another station or were you like, like how, if, if your dream as a child is to become mm -hmm. a broadcaster. How is your ego not attached to that? How did you let that go? Oh, that's a great, you know, my ego was never attached to my job there. You, or to, you are so I guess, lucky. to anything I do. I And, you know, it, that can be a thing, not just you in broadcasting, but in faith? any, in any uh, industry. I do think so. Mm -hmm. I do think it's, I think it's, I think I operate in what is my, per what am I supposed to be doing aligned with my purpose? It was that for a while, for 10, over 10 years. Um, and then, and I, and I always knew if I was supposed to go back to that and who knows, maybe I, maybe it'll loop back around. I mean, right, who right. knows, you know? Um, but I knew in that moment that it was, it was time for me to step away from that. Um, I do think, you know, gratitude, the, my faith, all of that works together. For yes. sure. So my ego was, there was never any sort of ego, you know, wrapped because up into I, that. I, that is one area that for me has been um, an opportunity in mm -hmm. that, uh, and the podcast is one of the first things, and I gotta be, I gotta be honest and watch it, but it's one of the first things that whether it performs well or doesn't perform well, doesn't affect my mood. Mm. And previous jobs, uh, it would. Like when really? I had blown, yeah, when I had blown, when things weren't going well, it would, it was too attached, it was too intertwined with my self-worth. And I mean, mm. I have had to work hard on that because it was a, um, yeah, yeah, it was too yeah. much of an attachment, if that makes sense. Yeah, so but that's I good. appreciate that self-awareness. 
I yeah. appreciate that self-aware, the ability to say, for you to recognize it and then say, you know, and, and it, it seems like you've grown from that and you've said, okay, I don't want that for myself. Yeah. How did you, you reach not to not to turn the tables, but how did you well, how did you come because, to that conclusion? Because when we closed it, I was like, oh my God, people know me from Blown and yeah. the success and she started this. By the way, that was a total story I made in my head, right? Um yeah. and then when it failed, I was embarrassed. I was like, mm-hmm. ugh. Uh but then you process it, right? And then yeah. you say well, gosh, if I'm feeling this way, think about how many other people have felt this way mm-hmm. and how do I learn from it? And then the podcast opened up because I wanted yep. to make lemonade out of lemons. Yes. And then boom, yeah. it takes off and you've created this incredible platform for storytelling. Thank you. Thanks. Oh my goodness. Incredible. Right, well, let's get back to you. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, so you go, thank you though. <laughs> so you leave there and, and then what? So I started my communications consulting business. So speaking of speaking of transitions and and I, I don't know, I mean, so maybe there was a teeny tiny, I don't know, I always stay away from the word ego because it just it just has such a connotation. And I and I'm, yeah. I guess I'm I'm just not typically tied to like any sense of ego, but when I think about leaving, you know, leaving the station. And I thought, I'm in my mind, I was like, I'm getting ready to start this communications consulting business. It's going to be explosive. It's going to be, you know, like I'm going to get all <laughs> these clients, Sarah. I'm going to have all these clients. Right. <laughs> and so not even and being married to, you know, like the entrepreneur. <laughs> yes. So we have to tell some listeners, you got to talk about your husband. Yes. So my husband is Alan Woods. He's one of the co-founders of Mortar, which is based here in Cincinnati. Um, but, but actually expanding quite a bit um, across the country. It's been, it's been, these last couple of years have been really, really busy for Mortar, but Mortar specifically focuses on programming and an alumni network and support systems for um, black and minority entrepreneurs. And so one of the key demographics is black women who Mortar serves. And so I actually went through the program. Love that. Uh, I came through the, yeah, I came through the second class and that's what helped me launch my company, Crowder Camera. And so fast forward back to what I was saying, you know, I'm married to like, you know, someone who clearly knows a lot about this. And he's like, I could have told you, you needed to just pace yourself. <laughs> because I, in my mind, it was just going to be like month one, 10 right. clients. Yeah. Why, why not? You know? And so maybe part of that was people know me from the news, you know, people, you know, I have these great relationships and that just, you know, first of all, you got to give yourself time to build a business. Yeah. And second of all, you have to give yourself grace. Like what I was offering though valuable what I learned along the way is that everyone who values it doesn't want to pay for it. Seriously? And that valuing and paying for some, valuing two and investing something two, two different. whole different categories, Sarah. And I hope there's an entrepreneur who's listening to this. Maybe you're just starting, but I need you to understand that, that people valuing your services, people liking you, people yeah. liking your business, very different from them wanting to invest in, in a resource that you are providing. Yeah. Very, very different. So I learned that. I learned that, you know, I guess kind of the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up going, you know, I, 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 I tried it out, you know, without kind of a net for a few months, but quickly noticed, mm, I need some, I need some more revenue coming in. <laughs> and so then I went back into work and I got into nonprofit communications and that's really how it's kind of what I did in the past two, three years before um, getting into my current role. So, but it was all good for me. It was all good. So I always feel, cause I did consulting for 
like 12 years. I think that everybody should consult at some point because it teaches you so much about grit. I mean, oh my goodness. Yes. Do you have yes. to hit the pavement, man? Because you, you have make to kill everything you eat. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh you don't God. even know what to charge, Sarah. I was like, how do I figure out what I'm supposed And I was greatly undervaluing my services at first. Yes. I would read, I, what I ended up doing is just, um, asking some other consultants, what's your, mm -hmm. you know, benchmark when you typically, and so that was how I did it, but I didn't know either. I had no idea. But did you find that hard to do? Did you so find, I mean, that was a challenge. What, here's what I found, what I found hard to do. When I started increasing my prices, that's when I was like, either this is going to work or it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. And and it will kind of sift out some of those clients that maybe don't even value it. Um, and actually ended up making more money than I did, uh, before. And I didn't, and I got rid of clients that were sucky. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. You were able to weed people out. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so you're at the new role now. Yes. Can you explain public information officer? What does that mean? So I am, technically a civilian officer. Uh, I mean, obviously the sheriff's office is, is a law enforcement right. agency. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, in my role as a civilian officer, yes. I manage the communicate, you know, the communications, the, the, the media relations, community relations, what I really love about this role and about Sheriff McGuffey's vision um, that she's outlined for her term and for what she'd like to achieve at the sheriff's office is more community engagement more community building. I mean, if we didn't see a need for it um, any other year than 2020, I mean, if we don't learn from that, then we all have got some serious soul searching to do. Yeah. 2020 changed me in many ways. And as a black woman, I've always yes. known about issues. Do you know what I mean? But I think yeah. the the trifecta of uh, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, among many other things, but that yes. trifecta affected so many of us just in incredibly different ways and at a higher level than before. Can I ask you, how did it affect your family, your nuclear family with Alan? Because I've, I've asked that to um, another black friend of mine, but she's divorced. And so mm -hmm. I'm just so curious how, what, what, would, what did, the, did the dynamic impact your relationship with Alan and how you parent or like, were you more scared? I, I actually did talk to another friend and she was like, Sarah, I am terrified about Trey driving in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Like, and she's like, we had to have a talk, another talk last night. And mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. And, and I will say, so the, the, the fear kind of a lot of, a lot of the underlying fear, some of those conversations have been going on for generations. The right. The, in the car, have your hands 10 on two. And the interesting thing about 2020, 2020 elevated those conversations into multiple spaces. So now we were able to kind of share the conversations that have been siloed in black households holds to now yeah. our white friends and counterparts and colleagues are now able to try to understand that these, yes. these have been happening for years and you guys just didn't know, you know no. what I mean? Like, and that you don't have to t have these talks with your kids Never about certain things. Right. And so that was actually another thing that I found hopefully is as a turning point for us. 
You know, okay. like I try to, I, I try to view things in the lens of, you know, what, what are we gaining from this? What are we learning? Because it's, it's hard stuff. I know. It is hard stuff. And I so know. it's, how do we, how do we come out of this better? But to answer your question, it was hard. I mean, the, the, it was news story after news story, after news story, after news story, back to back, you know, before that it felt like, oh, it was every now and then. So yeah. again, that trifecta was like really back to back. Yeah. And it was exhausting and it was traumatizing. You know, I actually um, just felt really called one day to share a video on my Instagram. And I just said, I really want to say to black people, it's okay to not be okay right now. Yeah. And so many people wrote me and they were like, I just needed someone else to say it. I needed to hear that other people felt that way. And because it was heavy. I know. And I have to tell you, so when that all happened, I as a white female felt like so compelled to um, check in, protect, um, care for my black girlfriends. And um, I just would say, how are you? And they'd be like, I'm fatigued. I'm, I'm yeah. tired. I'm frustrated. Um, I'm sad, you know? And I think, it was clearly harder, way harder for you guys, um, but for me, and I can only speak for me, it it opened my eyes to a lot of things that, I guess intellectually I knew, but maybe emotionally I didn't. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? That does make sense. That does make sense. And and for me, as a someone who wants to build bridges and fill gaps and try to you know bring people together. Yes. I had to step into the space of, you know, there has to be some accountability. Yes. I think that once people step into an understanding of generational and systemic problems that have plagued black and brown communities, right? So right. once you are willing to step into that and say, okay, yes, I acknowledge a lot of these things are systemic. It's then, it's not, let's not live there. Like let's acknowledge it and let's say, we've got to hold our systems accountable. But also, let's, let me share some stories with you so you can understand the things that we've been dealing with. Because I you've not share had those to stories, see it. Yeah. Right. And so what I tried to do was share those stories with mm -hmm. my family who hadn't had that perspective. Oh, I yeah. wanted to tell you one thing. So um, my buddy Lynn Watts, who's been on this up, who's been on the yes. podcast. Mm -hmm. Lynn, uh, Lynn and I would go to... Uh, you know, different um, protests. And one of them was a Sunday and uh, everybody wore their Sunday best. And it, we met down at, you might've even been there. We met I, at, I, I know which one you're, I wasn't at that one, but I know which one you're talking about. Yes, downtown. Yeah, we met mm -hmm. at um, Fountain Square mm -hmm. and um, all of the black men walked first and the black women and children Oh, and white, obviously, and white men stayed yes. back and clapped for them. And they led us down to City Hall. And Kyla, I have never felt electricity and positive energy like I felt that day. I don't think I, I ever it. will. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's like brings tears to my eyes. It was so amazing. Yeah. So amazing. Was that, so what was that? I mean, besides it being just electrifying and, and, and what, what did it, what resonated the most with you about it that? Like, was like it felt like love. So... It felt yeah. like what real love is about. 
Mm-hmm. Real love is about encouragement. Real love is about not always being the front of the line, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Real love is humility. So, um, real love is letting somebody else lead you sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's so, what it was for me. To bring that back, I guess, kind of full circle, you know, a lot of what, a lot of my goal in, you know, bringing more of that light to news was sharing more of some of the imagery that you just weren't always seeing, right. you know, on newscasts. I would say, gosh, why, you know, all the, black men don't have to be mugshots. Like, let's get, let me go talk to some of the, you know, some of the community leaders and doesn't always have to be in response to a shooting. Let's talk about, you know, some of the really great things going on in these neighborhoods. And it was an uphill battle, but I am proud of, sometimes I would have to shoot stories myself on my cell phone. You know, I'd have to shoot stuff on, in order for it to get told. I might not have, you know, I might not have had a, a, a photographer prioritize that day, but guess what? I'll shoot it myself. And if I have to edit it myself for it to make the newscast, I will do that. Because that's what we deserve to bring. And that's how I'm going to try to shift some of the narrative around it, you know? And I'm so grateful you got to have that experience. That's incredible. So am I. And that was a a total Lynn Watts getting my fanny out there, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Kyla, so let's bring it this full circle. Your personal vision of bringing light how are you doing that today? Well, I will tell you, the work is so important right now. I so so you know, I mentioned 2020 changed me in a way that yeah. I really started to reframe what how how do I make an impact? Okay, racial equity, criminal justice, like that those things just started to illuminate for me in ways they had not before. And I said, we're seeing all of this. And one common theme for me, I was going to the protests. I was, you know, my, me, my, and our entire family, we were taking our daughters. And constantly I would just think while we're marching in the streets, you know, we've got all this energy. How is this sustainable? What mm. happens after the protests? Mm. No, I want to keep this going because the protests are going to go away. And I, 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 there were several um, groups that I was speaking to, uh, uh, being a member of Impact 100, I was leading diversity, equity, and inclusion um, workshops and different groups. And, and I kept saying to the women, I said, we've got to figure out how we keep this going. How do we make the change sustainable? The yeah. protests will end. And where are we now? We're not, we don't have protests up and down right. the street, right? right? So I kept, I, you know, as the months went on, I thought, man, how do I keep this going? How do I really take this impact and this work, you know, to, to the next level? And again, because I believe in divine order, I just, I was looking at getting involved with civic engagement, you know, and how do I help? You know, I, I was never drawn to, to politics or anything like that. Um, but what I found out was that's how you go and actually like voting on bills and, you know, getting in the room where these decisions are being made. That's how the change happens. And there's not enough people who look like me in these rooms. In their room, those rooms. Right. You know, and one thing I'm proud of, I built a lot of great relationships. I mean, I've done the work. I've been out in the community. I wasn't just a face on TV. People, they saw me at their, you know, community events, at fundraisers, all of that. Um, And so fast forward, um, someone who I was, kind of talking to as far as getting more involved in, in the civic engagement work had put my name in the hat for, you know, to work with Sheriff McGuffey because she was building her team and building her command staff. And so 
we had some conversations, ball got rolling and thankfully that, you know, she, she decided that I would be a great fit for this role. Um, so here I am. So I'm sure I'm not the first person to ask you this question or the last, but when are you going to go into politics? Oh, Sarah, you are not the first person to, and every time it comes up, I'm like, what? I, you know, I am real. here's what I'll say. I think I do really well uh, as a helpmate. Okay. You know, I'm a great helper. Okay. I don't know if I'm ever the person, you know what maybe, I mean? And what I, um, maybe that's also what Kamala Harris used to say. <laughs> First of all, put me in the same conversation as Kamala Harris, who is my sorority sister, by the way. Very no. That. Yes, she is. Alpha nice. Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, honey. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ski wee, oh, my source. Oh my Jeez, yes, we're both AKs. Um, you know what? You could you could be right. There are there have I mean, there have been people who've said that. Um, I want to make an impact. Yeah. Where you know where can I make the most impact? Yeah, and okay, so you probably don't know this, but I actually I used to work in corrections. I worked for Hamilton. I did County. not know that. Yeah, juvenile court. So I worked okay. actually at twenty twenty, which is. Uh, you know, detention facility. And yes. I worked in psychology. So they, after I got my master's in counseling, they had a, a um, mental health was super important to the superintendent back then. He was frankly a visionary. They mm -hmm. had had three um, successful suicides in the eighties. And he vowed that he would never have a dead child on his hands again. And so he started mental health programs for them and then hired people like me who if we had a child that came in that had certain symptoms we mm -hmm. would evaluate them and, and provide service so i worked there for a couple years why did i just go off on that tangent this is why because so for you is there a reason why you wanted to get into criminal really criminal justice or what what would it be called? What is that called? Yeah, no, no, I would say uh, the criminal justice system. I mean, yes. you know, we're, I mean, I'm technically in a law enforcement agency, yes. but what attracted me to this particular role and this administration, because yes. I want to be very clear that what Sheriff McGuffey has outlined, you know, it can be different under different leaders. Totally. That's what, that's what we will be very clear about. Um, and if I was not in, if we were not in line with goals, the things she wants to accomplish, her vision, the things she wants to change, you know, because things that we all know that incarceration for black men is higher than any other, right? Exactly. Okay. And, and, but being willing to vo give voice to that, you know, and I was very honest and transparent and clear in the, in the process leading up to, you know, me joining her team, yes. that those issues matter to me matter to you. and they are valuable to her, having someone like me and the, really the entire team that she has built and brought on board to be willing to have the courage, to be honest with you, to challenge some of the stuff that has gone on for decades. Mm -hmm. You know, you, I mean, it's, it's a lot, she's a revolutionary leader. I mean, she's, you know, she's, 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 she's breaking, breaking a lot of glass ceilings. First woman sheriff in Hamilton County. She's only one of three in the state of Ohio. And awesome. uh, one of the other county sheriffs, she's also new this year. So two women, so I'm, women. That's I'm great. very excited. Yes, it's yeah. very, very exciting. Um, but again, to give credit to her leadership and to what she's willing to to do and to try to do, because the truth is you can only try. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have to really get everyone on board when you're running an entire county. But to have the vision set forth and say, this is what we're going to put 
our energy and our effort toward, you know, it, for the next, at least the next four years, then I'm, I'm very excited about what we're going to accomplish. We were building an entirely new community engagement unit of the department, seriously? focusing specifically on, yes, seriously. And so I'm gonna help build that out. I'm gonna help with a lot of the community relations. Speaking specifically to the high incarceration of black males, part of the way we chip away at that, first, yeah. the, the, the relationship building, seeing positive police you know, interaction in the communities. We've yes. got to build that up. But also being, you know, not only just being visible and being present, but how do we, you know, how do we do more mentoring? How do we build more of that up? So these are the things that we, it's not all right. It's not rocket science. A lot of it is not rocket science. I mean, it yeah. just takes the effort and it takes someone who's willing to actually go out of their way to do those things. And I think and that's what you'll see the from effort. Us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The time. Put yes. Forth the time. Yep. Yes. Um, I literally could keep talking to you for two more hours, but we are at our, we are at, we are at our end. It went so, so I wanna, fast. I know, I know, I know. I want to so say, bad. I want to say thank you for bringing your light to so many things, ideas, but mostly people. Thank you. We're really lucky to have you in the world. And I can't wait to like meet you in person and give in, you a hug. Right? I cannot yeah. wait to give you a hug beyond all of this. I'm ready to I'm ready to give you a big bear hug and, yeah. and hopefully it will happen sooner than later. And I'm yeah. so grateful for you and for you creating this space for us to come and share with each other and be honest and transparent and, and to sow seeds of, of hope and inspiration to others. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod.